So John wanted to be a writer. He wrote his first book and he submitted it to a publisher. Sometime later, he received a rejection letter. Sorry, try again another time. He tried again and he got another rejection slip. Sorry, try another time. And he tried again and he tried again. And he tried again, and he got more rejection letters, and he got more rejection letters, and he got more rejection letters. A hundred, maybe two hundred. Most people would have given up by now. I mean, how many hundreds of rejection letters would you have received before you decided, maybe this is not what I'm cut out to be? Well, this gentleman received more than 700 rejection letters until his first book was finally published in 1932. His name was John Creasy. He, uh, I know not everybody knows authors, but he was a well-known author who went on to write over 600 books under 17 uh, pseudonyms. And what that means is sometimes an author Right? Like, if I write a book, if I felt like it, I would say, hey, John Doe is the author of this book. And so he would put a different name to different books. And so he had 17 other names that he wrote under than just his own. This gentleman also founded the Crime Writers Association in 1953, which is a big deal. In 1932, since we're in that era already, there was a young actor, singer, dancer starting out, and he auditioned in various places. For multiple shows, he auditioned for uh, some songs, for some movies, and nothing. He kept trying, but nothing. Matter of fact, one of the Hollywood talent judges, right? There's Hollywood talent judges that they document and they write how someone is doing, he wrote notes on this particular guy. He said, can't act, can't sing, can dance a little. That was, those were the notes for this person. Long story short, this singer slash dancer and actor, his name was Fred Astaire, became one of the, mo the, top, one of the top singers, actors, and dancers of his time. Fred Astaire. Now, some of you guys may have to Google that. Okay? I, 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 I had to Google that. So, so it, it's way back. But he was famous. Yeah, he did that, singing in the rain, and he danced, and he sung, and he acted, right? But the thing that these two guys had in common was this. They just didn't give up. They didn't give up. They didn't accept the first sign of negativity, the first sign of defeat, the first sign of perhaps failure was not good enough for them. They were going to press on. They were going to keep pushing. That's our sermon title for today, keep pushing, keep pushing. They didn't stop when things didn't go their way right away. Does that sound like anybody? Nobody here, because everybody here keeps pushing. But some people when they start things and things don't look like they go their way, they, they stop pushing. They stop trying. 
Are we pushing through no matter how hard it may seem around us? Or would we throw in the towel when times get rough? Many of us are fasting, and we're fasting as a church, 21 days. And uh, give it up, one whole week down, amen? Some people are like, oh, I can fit this shirt again, okay, all right, I can fit these pants again, all right, some of you guys are excited, some of you guys are, I see you, I see you, I see you. Some of you guys are happy, but it has not been easy for many of you. If you're doing it correctly, it has not been easy. Let's just say that. If it's not easy, and many times we think about, let's just throw in the towel. You know what? God knows my heart. Let me just. <laughs> this burger right now is not going to make a difference. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. You know, many of us are fasting, and we've been fasting for a week now, and maybe we haven't seen the results of our prayer, right? God, I've been praying a whole week, fasting for a whole week. I haven't seen nothing yet. Just relax, chill. Slow it down. Slow it down. His time. His time. You know? Keep pushing. Stay at it. Today, we're going to take a look in the Word of God about a woman that would not take no for an answer. She would not take no for an answer. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there, and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Yo, get rid of her. She's annoying us. She's bothering us. She's got to go. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. I'm not taking no for an answer. She kept pushing. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be you, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. <sighs> Great is your faith. She kept pushing. She didn't take no for an answer. She didn't get, she, she, she was not satisfied with what he initially said. <laughs> she knew what she needed. And she wasn't going to leave till she got it. 
for us to, to, for us, for this story to have a stronger impact, we need to have a deeper understanding of who this woman was, right? We need to understand who this woman is. Let's, let's first understand some things about this woman who approached Jesus for help. So for, first, we know that she was a Canaanite, a Canaanite, a traditional enemy of the Jewish people. And um, since she wasn't a Jew, this makes her a? All right, you guys are at Bible study on Thursdays. Okay, all right, I see you. She was a Gentile. And it's important to understand this because as a Gentile, she has no claim to Jesus' time right now. Yo, that sounds harsh. Pay attention. Follow us. Follow us here. See, this is how Paul described the Jewish people in Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. Listen to this. He said, they are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children, the Jews. God revealed his glory to them, the Jews, and made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the, come on, man, work with me here. The privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as, a human, as, far as human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. These are the words of Paul as he's describing the Jewish people. What he's saying is... He's saying, like, uh, God chose the Jews to be his children. God chose the Jews so that he could reveal his glory through them. God chose the Jews to make covenants. So, so you see, none of this applied to the Gentiles. It's quiet out there. None of this applied to the Gentiles. They had no covenant with God or, or to them. They weren't adopted by God. These promises that Paul mentions, they, these promises weren't for them. And yet, this Canaanite woman, this Gentile, she goes up to Jesus and she's like, I don't care. I got a problem. Secondly, we see that this woman is driven both by love and desperation because her young daughter is severely demonized. Desperation. Desperation. Have any of us reached desperate moments in our lives? Desperate moment in our lives that is it's like nothing else matters. I don't care. I don't care what's going on right now. I don't care about, you know, I, I'm not, I don't care that prayer's on Tuesdays. I'm going to pray right now. I don't care that it's on, I'm, you know what, it's Saturday. I'm going to get on my knees right now. I, don't, I, I need to go before God. I need him to intercede. I, I need him to, to, to have his hands on the situation. I need his presence in this, right? So she goes to Jesus. She's calling him Lord, Son of David, which was a title of the Messiah. So third, 
Third thing we see about this woman is that she has recognized who Jesus really was. There are Jews right now in this very moment in the word, right? In this very moment, in this very story, there are Jews that don't even believe that he is the Messiah. And here you have a Gentile, a Canaanite woman saying, yo, son of David, Messiah, I know who you are. And she's calling out to him. She's calling out to him. How did she really know who he was? She's not, she's not a Jew. She's not, you know, she's not, she's, she's not in the area. That, you know, remember, he went up north you know, to the region of Tyre. He's, he's, he's away, right? You know? And, and how did she know where he was? Stalker. Mark, in Mark's gospel, we read from Matthew, but Mark has perspective on the same story. And when we look at chapter 7, verse 24, he mentions a little something else. He says, then Jesus left Galilee, uh, Mark 7, verse 24, he says, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. That's how you know he's where he's at, right? He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. He didn't want people to know where he was at. It's okay. Jesus can, get have, Jesus can have some privacy too. Can Jesus, can Jesus get some privacy? Like, I mean, I thought he's supposed to be Jesus. Yeah. Can he get a break? Can he rest? Can he put his feet up? So, so, the, so the word tells us that he went to this house and he was trying to lay low. He didn't want people knowing that he was there. TMZ must have found him. They must have found out. They put it on the media. They, put, they must have put it on blast. I don't know how they send, you know, you know I, don't, I don't know how, uh, you know, things get passed around camels. I don't know. But it, the word got out. They had, they had paparazzi on camels, whatever, but it got out. All he wanted was a little rest. All he wanted was a little relaxation. But no. He wanted some downtime. Our man was tired. But no. He left Israelite territory to get away from the crowds. Fun fact for my Bible nerds, right? This is the only time recorded in the scriptures. This is the only time recorded in the scriptures in where Jesus ventured outside of the Israelite territory. He was trying to get away. Like, you know how, like, when, we, when you try, no, 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 I'm, I'm leaving. What, you know, what, how far can I go down? Can I, can I go to Chile? Can I go to Peru? I don't know. Can I go to Africa? I mean, like, I'm like, I need to get away, away. Right? Yeah, well, there's no cell phone reception. Where can I go? He was trying to get away. He leaves, and he goes outside of Israelite territory. But you know what? It was too late. Jesus was already trending. He had already gone viral. He had already gone viral. He was, he was becoming famous amongst the people, even outside of Israel. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. 
Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over. This crowd was from Galilee, from Judea, from Jerusalem, Redemia, from, from east of the Jordan River, and even as far north as Tyre and Sidon. Where, where are we at now? That's where we're at, right? The news about his miracles spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. A lot of people have seen Jesus, they've heard Jesus, they, they, they've heard about the miracles, they've seen the miracles, they've seen the healings, they've heard about the healings, no matter what, right? There's no doubt that this woman has heard about Jesus. She's heard about him. I mean, come on, you know these days when things go viral, you hear about them, even when you don't want to hear about it, right? Right? Everyone has ears. Everyone has eyes. You're going to see whatever goes viral. I got a four-year-old walking around the house talking about island boys, whatever that's, you know what I'm saying? Singing that stuff. Guess what? I know we don't put that for her, but it's, it's coming up places. It's coming up. It must have went viral that even four-year-olds are singing this junk. All right, don't distract me. Why are y'all distracting me? She has most likely been informed about the miracle. She's been informed about his power, his grace, his love, his mercy. She's been informed about this guy named Jesus. The king of the Jews is the Messiah. Hey, there's this guy named Jesus. He's the Messiah for the Jews, and, and he does miracles, and he heals, and he sets the captives free. Like, yo, you, you haven't, really? Yeah. Oh, but yo, he's in the neighborhood. For real? Yeah, he's at so-and-so's house. Oh, for real? Let's go. Yeah, you didn't want people to know. But she finds out not only what he's done, but she knows where he's at. And she goes out to meet Jesus, desperate for a solution. How many of us, like I said, are desperate for a solution in our lives right now? Take a moment. How desperate are you right now in your situation? How desperate are you for God to do something? Right, Pookie? Yo, I need Jesus to do something now. I need him to do something right now. How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to track somebody down? Because she did. She tracked them down. You desperate enough to go to somebody else's house? Because you know, I, oh, I don't go to nobody's house. I don't know. You know, if I don't know them, I don't go to their house. You know, Right? Most of us are like that. Well, I don't know them. I'm not going to show up. That actually, that actually you know, we, we grew up being taught that, right? Unless you have a proper invite. She had no invite. And she didn't know the person's house. But she showed up because she was desperate for something. How many of you guys are willing to break out of your comfort zone because you're desperate for something? Do you know how uncomfortable it must have been for her? To knowing that she was a Canaanite woman, 
knowing that she was an enemy of the Jews, and here is the Messiah, king of the Jews, uh, the the man sent to set them free, to to lead them, and here she goes, you know what? Not only is he a Jew, he's the Messiah of the Jews, and I'm the enemy of the Jews, but you know what? I'm so desperate that I don't care, and I'm going to go to this man because I need him to set my daughter free. I'm going to break out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to let fear intimidate me stepping out and, 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 and desperately seeking for a miracle in my life. And some of us are too scared to step out. Some of us are too timid, too shy to say, I mean, I don't, I don't know that person, so I mean, I don't know. I don't really know too much. It's time to get desperate to cry out some desperate prayers as we're fasting as a church. Let's get desperate with our prayers. Step out of your comfort zones. Nothing mattered to her other than Jesus setting her daughter, his, her daughter free. Are we praying prayers? Are we reaching out to God to a point where nothing matters other than God's uh, involvement in our situations? Nothing matters other than Jesus being involved in what I'm going through right now. I need you, God, because no one else can do this, only you. Only you. She was desperate. She was desperate. Now, no, the scriptures, now the scriptures tell us, they tell us, they don't tell us the form of demonization that this little girl had. Right? For instance, we know about a boy that is mentioned, right, in Mark chapter 9. So let's, let's take a look at Mark chapter 9, verse 17 and the first half of 18, right? It says this. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, and then he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. This sounds like a parent's nightmare. Can you imagine your child doing this? Your son, your daughter going through this? This is a nightmare for a parent. And so we don't know in detail how this daughter, how her daughter was being afflicted or what was manifesting. We don't know. But if it was anything like this, she's got some big concerns. I mean, this, she can't, you know, this is something that, that as a parent, you know, you're like, I, I need somebody to help me. I mean, can you imagine how she must have felt as a mom? Parents know, and especially moms, I think, I think it affects mothers in a different emotional connection. But when a parent just can't do something about a child's situation, right? When you just can't do something, like there's just nothing you can do. And you got to sit and watch your child suffer through something. 
You got to sit and watch your child cry. You got to sit and watch your child scream and, and turn and toss. And there's nothing that you can do. Do you know the, the, the pain and, and, the, and the hopelessness and, and the feeling that you go through as a parent? Has anybody experienced that with their child? Can you imagine at that point? As a parent, like, you know, you know doctors couldn't do anything with these, with, with this, with these cases. She comes to Jesus, she falls at his feet and, sa- and begs him to cast this demon out of her daughter. So, all right, Jesus' response is this. That's his response. Oh, y'all didn't hear it? It's because he didn't say anything. He ignored her. Is what he did. She said, yo, help me out. And he was like, he, he didn't respond to her. His response is interesting, and it's an igno- he, he didn't say anything. Matthew, uh, the verse 23 says that he answered her not a word. The Bible says that he, Jesus, ignored somebody? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. There's some people right now, Jesus has ignored me all week. <laughs> I've been fasting and praying. And Jesus has not done anything yet. You know it's been a week since I've had soda? (laughs) And nothing. But she didn't stay quiet. She kept pushing through. And as she kept asking... The disciples are like, all right, God, look, look, all right, Jesus, look, do something. Can you do something? She's starting to bug us. Can you get rid of her? Can you send her on her way? We're trying to, we're trying to have a peaceful, relaxing getaway out here, and this girl won't stop talking. Can you get rid of her, please? Why didn't Jesus answer her? So this is, this is interesting because, you know, even, even within Christians, we, we debate this sometimes. But I want you guys to hear me out. Sometimes people say that it's because she was a Gentile. It just wasn't time for God to answer her at this moment. Right? But, but if we read previous scriptures, this is why Bible studies are important. If we study previous chapters, and we go back to chapter 8 in the same book of Matthew, right? A man approached Jesus, and he pleaded with Jesus, please, Heal my servant. He's paralyzed. You got to do something, Jesus. And he acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. He knew Jesus could heal him. Funny thing was, the man pleading for his servant wasn't a Jew. He wasn't a Jew. He was a Roman. He was a he was a Roman centurion. So 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 you know. It, we know that the, the Canaanites were traditional enemies of the Jews, but the Romans were current enemies of the Jews. They were in power. They, it was a dictatorship. And then on top of that, he was, he was part of the military force that enforced this dictatorship. And what was Jesus' answer to the Roman? I will go and heal him. 
This is important to understand because one thing is, is we got to make sure that we realize that it's not about us sometimes. I know, I know. I'm sorry, guys. Not all, Pastor, not all, no, not, it's not always about you. It's not always about you. Why does God sometimes delay in his, in his prayer? Well, you know, it's, it's not always about us. I mean, there are times that it is about us that he delays in answering his prayer. Sometimes it is about us. Sometimes it is about him waiting for us to be like, Yo, you, you're going to get things right? You, you're going you're gonna to get your stuff in order? You're going to get yourself together? He goes, I've been answering that prayer a long time ago. I've answered that prayer a long time ago. Look, look, it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there waiting. Sometimes it's not about us. There are times that God has something in mind that he wants to achieve, that he wants to achieve. Sometimes he wants, to, he wants to, to pull something out from us from deep, deep, deep down inside. Perhaps he wants to pull out a higher level of commitment from you. You know that when we pray for something, right, if it comes too easy, if something just comes too easy, you know, I, this is not even in here, but I'm going to say it right now, listen, like, like in dating, Right? Listen, if, if, it, if it comes too easy, y'all know what I'm talking about? If it comes too easy, why commit to that? Why commit to something like that if it's just too easy? Anything that's too easy, level of commitment is not going to be there. But when you have to work at something, and you have to invest in time and energy, and, 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 you have to, and you have to, like, be there constantly coming back to something. Come, then guess what? When you finally get it, oh, you're going to treasure it. You're going to appreciate it. You're going to be committed to it. Perhaps God wants to pull out of you a stronger expression of faith. Sometimes when we seek him and, we, and, and, we, and we're uh, 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 just... Uh, going in, uh, before him in prayer, it does something to our faith. It, it, it strengthens us. It builds us. It builds us up. It makes us stronger. I mean, if you're praying for something and you don't get it, and then you pray again for it, and you don't get it, but you pray again, and you go again and again, what, what are you doing every time you're praying? You're going before God the Father. Before you realize that you're developing a relationship, you're developing your, your relationship with God is getting stronger because he didn't answer your prayer right away. And it's causing you to go to the father more and more and more. And guess what? You guys get to know each other a little better now. Perhaps he wants a greater intensity of desire. Maybe you don't want it as much as you think you want it yet. And as you keep seeking him, that, that, that desire will grow stronger. Maybe there's a better time for him to answer that prayer. We have to remember that his time is not our time. We're, we're, remember, he don't work for us. I mean, do, do, we get, do we think that he works for us? Because I, I think sometimes, and I know, I know not here, I know not here, 
But what's happening is the, the Christian uh, culture in today's society looks a little something like this. Oh, I'm going through something. Hold on a second. Uh, uh, I'm going through it right now. I got to get in my word. Got to get in my Lord, please, right now, right now. You know I need you. I need you. No? Okay. Lord, please, you know I need you. I need you. No, no genie yet. No genie yet. He don't work for you. He don't work for you. You know, when your relationship with God will begin to grow, when you realize who you are and what your role is supposed to be in the kingdom. When you realize, number one, it's not about you, it's all about him. And what little we have is so that he could be glorified. You know what I'm saying? So why didn't he hear her? You know, perhaps you want to draw something out of her. So finally, in verse 24, Jesus responds to her. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the lost house, lost sheep of the house of Israel. Pretty much, he's saying, oh, healing Gentiles right now is not on my, itiner- I, on my itinerary. You know, um, I got things to do, and healing Gentiles is not one of them. All right? That's pretty much what he's telling her. I came... For the Jewish people right now. Right now, I don't got time for you. You have to admire this woman. She's not giving up. As a, as a Gentile, she, you know, she had no claim on Jesus. She, she shouldn't even be there. You know, the covenants, the promises, um, all that, you know, plus Jesus being uh, not, really, not really responding to her in the first place. Like, yo, you got to give it to this woman that she's still pushing through. She just keeps pushing. Even through all these things, she knows that he's the Messiah. She knows that he can set her daughter free. And so she keeps on saying, Lord, help me. I know that you are the only one that can help me right now. A parent's love for a child. Yeah, you ain't going to tell no mom that she's sorry, sorry. If she knows you got the, you got the, the medicine or you know you, whatever you got is going to heal her child, if she knows that, that it's there, she's not leaving until she gets it. So then Jesus responds again in verse 26. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Dang. Sheesh. Dogs. That sounds like a real slap in the face, right? What Jesus is exactly saying is, if we have to, and we have to understand the, 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 the whole dialogue is going here. He, uh, yes, the Jews do refer to the Canaanites as dogs. That was kind of rough. That's rough. I'm not excusing them. I'm not saying it was right, but that's what happened. The Jews did refer to the Canaanites as dogs. But in Jesus' words, right, when he, when he says this, he's not calling her a stray dog. He's calling her a family dog. A pet dog. Luce, I know Luce is watching. So, Luce, let me t- listen. If you are a pet at Luce's house, you got it better than all of us up in here. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, he says, You are a family pet dog. You know, you're cared for, you're loved, you have a home, you have a family. 
And if you're loose as dogs, you got clothes, you got beds, you got everything, you got luxury spa appointments, whatever the case may be. Our family dog, Dalia, is now under the care of Luce. She is being, I know she's, I know she's loving life right now. You know, I know we couldn't, we weren't home enough, and it was hard. It was hard to, to, to say goodbye, but it's not that hard when you know, like, she's living in a spa, like, 24-7, right? I went to visit her last, like, the last time I went to visit her, I'm like, yo, she looked like she put on some weight. Oh, she always eating. She always eating. <laughs> I'm like, man. So, so she's not a stray dog, okay, guys? He's calling her a pet dog. Some of you are like, it's still, it's still a dog. Imagine the scene. The table is set. The family's going to have dinner. You got the meal on the table. You got the rice, the beans, the panini. You got ribs, the mac and cheese. You got it all laid out. Everybody's like, yo, pastor, you know we fasting. Why are you doing that? It makes you stronger. Fight it. So the table is set, right? And the family sits down to eat. All of a sudden, Thalia jumps on, the, on, on her chair, and she's like, yo, feed me. And everybody says, oh, look, Thalia's on the table. Oh, how great. <laughs> yeah, nobody eat yet, nobody eat. What do you want, Thalia? You want ribs? You want penin? You want mac and cheese? What do you want? Okay. Everybody, let, let her eat first. Let the dog eat first before we eat. Whose house would that happen? I mean, maybe Luce's. I don't know. <laughs> but I know not in, not in anybody else's house here. Like, the dogs are going to wait till after you eat, and they'll eat, right? That's the order, right? There's order because there's priority. Your children are going to eat first. No parent here is going to feed their dog before their hungry children, right? I mean, right? I mean, parents, please feed your children. Feed them. I'm going to have to start asking these kids, does your mommy feed you at home? All right, all right, all right, guys, guys, come on, stop, stop, stop distracting me. Children come first, then the dogs. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes it. The Jews first, and also the Gentiles. There is an order. There is an order of priority to the gospel. And it's according to the scriptures, the Jews had that first dibs. They had first dibs, right? Jesus is saying to her, listen, listen, I'm on a mission, and my mission right now is to the Jewish people. I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm not, you know, it's not about you right now. It's about the Jewish people. They are the children sitting at the table at the moment. All healing, deliverance, promises of God were, 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 the, were the children's bread, and the kids get served before the pets. Now, the woman was a smart, she was smart and discerning. This is, a, this, you know, this, this is also a good Mother's Day sermon because our moms, right, Listen, you, you need to be you need to be constant in prayer, constant in, in, in seeking discernment from the Lord, constant in listen, she is she was smart and she was discerning because she understood it wasn't an insult. 
She didn't get offended. Oh, how many of us would have got offended? Um, it's 2022. Oh, yeah. Everybody would have been offended. Oh, how you going to call me a dog? How you going to call me a dog? You know who I am? It didn't matter who. No, how are you going to do that? How are you going to call me? First of all, how are you going to ignore me? You know I'm here. You know I'm talking to you. And then get all up in Jesus' face, the neck movements and everything. So, so, so she didn't get offended. She knew and understood exactly what Jesus was saying to her. And because she knew and understood this, she was able to answer with these wise words. Yes, you're right, God. You're right, Lord. You're right. I know that the children, right, the children have priority. They eat first. I know that. I know they eat first. But even the pet dogs, you know, since I'm a pet dog, Jesus, even the family dogs, because I'm your family dog, right, they get to, they get to crawl around and, and, and walk around while the children are eating. And they are nature's natural vacuum cleaners. Whatever hits the floor, gone. If you don't pick it, I mean, you don't, sometimes you don't even have a chance. To, no, it hits the floor, gone. And it's gone because the dog eats it. They just waiting. And they know who drops the most food. Dogs know already. I'm not going to sit over here because she never dropped no food. I'm going to sit next to Abigail. I know she dropped all the food on the floor. They know. They know where to wait. And she says, even the dogs, they walk and they crawl under the table and, and they, they eat the crumbs that fall their way. She's good. She's good. She's saying, Lord, I'm just here to get some crumbs. She goes, I don't even want to eat. I just want some crumbs. Do you see the level of faith that this woman had? First of all, we know the Bible says that if you just have faith like a mustard seed, we already know the mustard seed is like this tiny, right? The, the, we know that the word says if you just have faith like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And here is this woman, this Canaanite woman, not even a Jew, not even, I mean, she, she, she doesn't know. I mean, usually if you're a Canaanite, you're not going to follow the scriptures. You're not going to be in their culture. You're not going to know what the scriptures say. You don't, and all she says is, I just want a crumb. And she's saying by saying, I just want a crumb. She's saying, I know that a crumb will still deliver my, my daughter. A crumb will still set my daughter free. A crumb. And she's like, this girl. He must have blown his mind. He must have been like, yo, she just wants a crumb. Yo. Come on. Some of us, man, some of us, we try, we, we, we waiting for some, some big stuff, you know, and God's like, you, you know I could do that with a crumb, right? We waiting for some big things. God's going to do some big things. No, he is going to do some big things. But you know he could do it with a crumb. Do we got crumb faith? Crumb faith. Come on. Come on. Yo, you know you can make some good desserts with a bunch of crumbs? If we all got crumbs, nah. you bring your crumbs, I bring my crumbs. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Guys, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? She just said, I just want a crumb. How many people would have given up 
by this point. Some of y'all would have delivered the second he don't answer you. Yo, Jesus, can you help my daughter? Oh, oh I don't got time for this. I don't got, he, he, he heard me. I know he heard me. I don't got time for this. And you walk away. Oh, it must not be God's will. We say this, right? It must not be God's will. Listen, let me tell you something. It is God's will for, any, for, for us, for, first of all, for anyone to get to know him. He, it is God's will. We can never be praying for somebody. I'm like, oh, it must not be God's will. Uh, it is God's will. God does will that person to come to Christ, to get saved, to be delivered from death, to have eternal life. It's God's will. He would want that. It is God's will for healing. It is God's will for deliverance. It is God's will for these things. So don't, we, you know, don't ever think like you're praying for something that you know is aligned with the Scripture and then talking about, like, oh, it must not be God's will. It is God's will. Do we understand that? Now, in the Scriptures, we understand that His will looks different in different ways, but we, don't, we know that it is not, it's, it's not against His will for someone to perish and, and, you know, into that. Like, he doesn't want that. We make those decisions ourselves. We make that decision ourselves. And remember, in, in Bible study, hell wasn't even made for us. Right? Right? Bible study, come on, go ahead. Was hell made for us? Wasn't. Wasn't made for us. So technically, it wasn't, our, it wasn't his will for us to end up there. How about when, uh, how about, how many of us would have left when he said, listen, I'm, I'm not here for, for, for y'all, I'm here for the Jews right now. I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. Oh, jeez, thanks, God. Thanks, Jesus. At that moment, like, I'm just out of here. I guess I'm not a Jew. I, I'm not, I guess I'm not here. How, how many would have left that point? How, ma- how many would have given up the moment that you were called the dog? Everybody's like, oh, no, that's the, that's the moment right there. That's the moment right there. <laughs> sorry, son, sorry, honey, you're just going to have to live with this for the rest of your life. Come on, let's go. He called me a dog. Sorry, girl, D- learn to live with it. Learn to live with this demon. I don't know. He called me a dog. <clears throat> let's be careful. You see what being offended can actually do, right? Being offended can actually rob you of a blessing that God wants to do in your life. If she would turn around like, oh, I'm offended, get her, let's go, girl, let's go, let's get out of here. Demon would have been like, okay, mom, let's go. <laughs> she would live with a demon the whole time. <laughs> Guys, stop distracting me. We're trying to do this. <clears throat> She would, exactly, she would have missed out on a generational blessing, a blessing that would have set her family free because of offense. Was that, I'm sorry, was that too far? Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I wonder how many churches are filled with giver up. Give her uppers. We find out God's will. We begin to pray about it. There's an obstacle that seems to be in the way, and we give up. How many of us know somebody like that? Because, you know, we're not like that. 
The first sign of an obstacle, they give up. But who put the obstacles in this woman's way? Who did it? It wasn't the devil. Oh, the devil always trying to get in my way. Well, in this case, it wasn't the devil. There's no talk of the devil here. There's no talk of the enemy here. There's no talk of Satan at all. There is talk of what Jesus did and how he didn't answer her and how he answered her and what he was thinking. So it looks like the obstacle in this woman's path was put there by Jesus. Wait, Jesus puts obstacles in our path. Oh, my gosh. Let me write this down. Mm, go ahead, Al. I got to throw a mic. Throw it to my... Throw that mic, the second mic to Al, the tag team over here. So how did he answer her? He said, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Here is Jesus trying to take a break, getting away from, he don't want to do, he don't want to deal with ministry right now. He want a break. It's stressful. You know, it's stressful. He loves it. I mean, he, that's, his, that's his purpose. That's why he's here. But if Jesus needs a break, hey, we need breaks too, right? So he takes the break. And in this break, this woman comes who doesn't have claim to Jesus' time right now. And she doesn't care. She's desperate. My daughter needs to be set free and you are going to do it. She got the crazy mom stare going on. Oh, you gonna heal my daughter? Oh, you gonna heal my daughter? <laughs> Listen up, church. You need to keep pushing. You need to keep pushing. There are times that the obstacles that we are encountering are not obstacles placed there by the devil. They're not obstacles placed there by our enemies. They're obstacles that God has allowed to be there to draw something deeper from you. He wants more from you. He wants that commitment. He wants that desire. He wants that, 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 that perseverance from you. When things go wrong, which they will, when the road seems to be uphill, when I was your age, I used to go to school, it was uphill both ways. When life looks like it's like that. When the funds are low and the debts are high, when you want to smile but you have to frown and have to sigh. When the stresses of life seem to pin you down. Rest if you need to, right? But don't quit. Rest if you need to, but don't quit. You know, it's nothing wrong in our walk with God that sometimes you feel so drained, right, that you need to take a moment to charge the batteries. You need to take a moment to go before God and say, Lord, I, I'm weak. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't have no strength. I don't have, I don't have no desire. There are times that we are so spent that sometimes we, I've heard this, and, and multiple people, so if you're one of them that have, have told me this, know that you're not alone. Many people will tell me this. Pastor, I don't even feel like praying anymore. 
I don't even feel like reading anymore. I don't feel, and this is common. At this point, you, you know what? Take a moment. Block everything out. Spend some time worshiping him, meditating on the Lord, charging those batteries back up. And then keep pushing. Get that energy and then keep pushing. You can never tell how close you are. It may be near, even though it seems far. You guys can stand with me this morning. I'm sorry, I think I went pretty long today. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Forgive me, forgive me. But I want to read something to you. It's from John Wesley's diary. I don't know how they got into his diary. Somebody did. It says this, Sunday morning, Monday, uh, I'm sorry, Sunday morning, May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May 5th. Hey, how can you still, how can you preach the same day after someone tells you that, right? He goes to another church, St. John's, and Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preach at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday p.m., May 12th, preach at St. George. Kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. That's what it said. So maybe that he got tired of writing the church's name. Deacons called the special meeting and said, I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street. And got kicked out of that street. Sunday a.m., May 26, preached in a meadow and was chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during my sermon. (laughs) Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out at the edge of town and got kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. Don't give up. You don't know how close you are to your breakthrough. You don't know how close you are to your breakthrough. You you just don't know. You don't know. Don't give up. Some people have been praying for healing and you feel like he hasn't healed me. Don't give up. You don't know if the breakthrough is just around the corner. You don't know if healing is just around the corner. Some of us have been praying for our, our spouses. Don't give up. It could be right around the corner. It could just be tomorrow. It could be the next day. You never know. Don't give up. This woman had a need and only Jesus could fill it. How many of us have a need this morning? How many of us need healing? Prayer team, can you please come up? This woman had a need. She, how, some of us need healing. Some of us need restoration. Some of us need deliverance. Some of us are praying for a loved one. Don't give up. Don't give up. This woman sought him out. She seeked out Jesus. You know what was interesting? I was studying... Uh, because in the other message that I was supposed to preach, 
I was going to break down seeking, and, and, and the word used, the, one of the ancient words in the Bible that was representing the word seeking, and it was translated to uh, beating, like beating a path, to beat a path out. We know what that means? When, when you beat a path out, that means that when people walk on the grass so much, when you walk on the grass so much that eventually grass stops growing and it becomes a path, because you just kept doing it over and over and over and over. When we seek the Lord, that's how it is. It's over and over and over and over. There should be a path of no grass. Because you just won't stop seeking the Lord. She knew who he was. And she asked and she asked and she asked again. Church, this morning, I know we've been here a little longer, but I don't want you to leave this morning if there is something that you are desperate for. There is something that you have put in prayer before God, and perhaps you are feeling a little frustrated. Perhaps you are feeling a little discouraged. Perhaps you are thinking you are not being heard, but I want to invite you to the altar today for two reasons. One, so that God can restore your strength, restore your energy, and give you the strength you need to continue to persevere. But second, because guess what? He is the God that answers your prayers. He's the God that answers your prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Marcus. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Take a moment, church. Take a moment, church. Start thinking about the things that you just know that you got to give to God today. Just start thinking about the things that, that have just been weighing you down and you saying enough is enough. I've got, there's only, only God can take this from me. Some of us, perhaps, either we're watching online or we're here today, we haven't made a decision to say, I need Christ. I need to accept him as my personal Lord and Savior. Guess what? Today is that day. Don't walk out without doing it. it he wants to be your Lord and Savior today. Father God, I need you, Lord. I need you to come into my heart. I want to receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've made, I've made mistakes. I know that I've tried on my own, but I need you. I know that you are the Son of God. I know that you died on the cross for me. I know that you rose on the third day. I need you, Lord. Some of us need to come to the altar today and have a Jacob moment. Do we know those Jacob moments? I'm not going to let you go, God. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.